When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Glover's Talk, Somerset Live's weekly podcast covering all things Yeovil Town Football Club and we're here today on Friday, April the 6th and it's been quite a good week, it's fair to say, at Hewish Park with um, what can only be described as a pretty unbelievable win for the Glovers um, on Easter Monday where they went to Coventry, falling giants of English football, former FA Cup winners, promotion challenges from League Two and came away with a remarkable 6-2 win, the biggest away win that Yeovil have achieved since 1988. First time I've ever scored six goals away in the Football League and really a win that we're going to discuss this later on, but you can say all but secures Yeovil's survival in League Two this season. Joining me this week is Mike Taylor, our regular pundit, guest, yeah. football oracle there. And just general contributor to the show I, I, I play my trade out yet hello how are you doing Stephen very very well and also joining us we've got a special guest this week in the form of uh, Yeovil Town fan Ollie Marsh how are you Ollie I'm good thank you Stephen thank you for having me back on no problem I think your first performance was so impressive that you know we were we itching oh, to bring you back he's, he's changed in the office he's the first man in he's the last man out yeah yeah absolutely that's what we do for our work experience kids we leave him they're in they do all the work and then we just leave them to it it's, but he's, he's been the truth it's the sort of commitment we expect from uh, people when they come in and help us out you know <laughs> top top drawer okay so i think there's only really one place we can start and that is to go back to monday and um and just discuss what on earth happened on monday ollie what do you think happened oh it was absolutely incredible i, I wasn't lucky enough to be at the game but even just following the updates i could not believe my eyes I think it does say something about being a Yeovil Town fan that when Coventry pulled a goal back in the opening minutes of the second half, I did start to get a little bit nervous. I think if they had pulled it back to 3-2, or then uh, later in the game if they had pulled it back to 4-3, then it really would have set the nerves jangling. And uh, I think you've got to give a lot of credit to the squad for not switching off, for continuing to attack. And of course, a lot of credit also has to go to the finishing from the strikers, which was just absolutely immense. Mm. I know there are a lot of fans out there who are disappointed they haven't seen much of uh, Ryan Seeger, but you can't argue with it when you've got Alex Fisher, Francois Zoko and Sam Surridge who are finishing with such confidence. Mm. And, and of course, you know, you've got three stri- strikers on the pitch, all of them scoring twice. And, you know, how often does that happen? I think hardly ever. I can't remember yeah. a case of it happening anywhere. So it really does go to show the form that the um, strikers are in. And um, and Mike, as well, I know you, you were sort of following it closely. And um, you tell me, what your what was your reaction when you checked your phone and you saw just the oh, score yes. that was in front of you? Well, unfortunately, I wasn't at the game. But um, I thought, OK, well, fingers crossed. So hopefully uh, you can sneak a cheeky point here then. Came out of the cinema, I think I was watching Ready Player One, good film by the way, and then came out, looked at my phone, couldn't believe my eyes when I saw, saw Steam's match report saying 6-2 over town, I was thinking, what the hell's going to go on here, read for it, and I was thinking, blimey Charlie, I mean, this is an incredible performance, obviously as you said there, um, it's reflected in the highlights really, It's um, it was a very uh, dominant, you know, time display, um, they definitely caught commentary on an off day, um, 
on a day that, you know, Coventry, I think any other day would have definitely would have won. But the, the fact is that Yorktown never gave up for 90 minutes. So even when they conceded goals, it they wasn't very phased. And it's a stark uh, contrast to those games earlier on in the season where the Yorktown have been a goal and two up and unfortunately crumbled. But to win away from them 6-2 at any ground is, a, is an achievement. A fair play to Darren Way and the boys for uh, getting a result there. I think there's an argument to be had about which was more unbelievable, the uh, sci-fi fantasy film Ready, Ready Player One or the fact that Yeovil Town <laughs> scored six goals in an away game. I think that's a debate that's going to rage on. Yeah, I'm happy to have that debate off the podcast. I, bit, I, think, yeah. I think that's for the spin-off podcast or whenever that comes, you know, one day... When we launch a film podcast, we'll, we'll, we'll launch that and have a long debate about that one, I think. Well, I look forward to that very much. Um, to go back to the game, obviously, I was there, I was covering the game, and um, I think it's one of those performances where, you know, if you hadn't actually been there, for, or if I hadn't been there for myself and actually seen the goals go in, I'd, I'd have trouble actually believing that it had happened. And it's one of the great things, I think, about football, but it just has this habit of sometimes it just throws up a result that, you know, just nothing, you can't explain it. You oh, know, any yeah. kind of logic, any kind of, you know, for form table you know you could not have seen this one coming I think any Yeovil fan if you'd said they were going to win on Monday at Coventry when you consider that this is a Coventry team that was unbeaten seven games hadn't conceded more than twice in a game all season Hmm. Yeovil only won only won three away games all season you know it was very hard you know to to even see a way that Yeovil would win that game I think a point would have been seen as a great result and so to, to go and pull out a performance like that it's just it's testament to to the players. I think first of all, I don't think you can um, deny having you know, having watched the game and having seen the highlights back that Yeovil were gifted their opening three goals in the first fifteen minutes. Yeah. You know, Coventry had an absolute nightmare. I, mean, I don't think you'll see a team have such a bad start to a game all season. But the thing is that Yeovil they they got themselves in the position. Alex Fisher, you know, with the first two, um, Lewis Wing to pickpocket Michael Doyle and set up Zoko for the second goal. As well, you know, you've got to be in the right place at the right time to take advantage of those errors, and Yeovil did that superbly. And then, when Coventry then they had to really just throw everything at it, they got a couple of goals. And you know, anyone who hasn't seen the highlights yet, go and watch it because you know, even from a biased you know Yeovil Town point of view, you have to watch Max Biamu's second goal for Coventry because it was it's an unbelievably good finish, you know, absolutely spectacular. But yeah, I think Yeovil had it pulled back to 4-2 and we've seen the likes of Exeter last season when they threw away a 3-0 lead or Morecambe mm. and Forest Green this season when they've lost having gone 2-0 up and you you do get worried as a Yeovil fan you know there's never a point where you think you know job done I think it's fair to say yeah. but they really stuck in there was a 10 minute period after that second commentary goal where they were by far the better team they had three or four really good chances but Yeovil stuck in there and then picked up a fifth goal on the break through Surridge and then mm. that was it and I think you know that's a that there was a side to their game I think Yeovil that we haven't seen all season and I think I'm going to throw this to you Ollie you know was that what do you think that comes down to the fact that they all of a sudden not only are they picking up results on the road but also when they get into positions like we did on Monday and then find themselves a little bit under the cosh they managed to find a way to come through that and um, and still get the win well, I would say that I don't think you can underestimate the impact that Stuart Nelson has had on the side. Oh, I completely agree. As he's yeah, come in, uh, yeah. obviously made his debut against Exeter, kept a clean sheet, kept another one in his, his next game as well. And how often have we spoken about Yeovil needing an experienced head at the back uh, to organise the defence? Stuart Nelson is someone who brings that. And uh, I'm a huge fan of Arta Krusiak. I never thought that I'd, you know, there would be a keeper at Yeovil 
who could come in and I would prefer to Krushiak, but I would have to say that Nelson is, is my first choice yeah. for that stability and that organisation that he's brought to the defence. And it's no surprise to, to see that Yeovil are really steadying up with him in goal. Yeah, and I, 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 and I completely agree with you there as well. I haven't seen him. You know, he, he has just, he just calmed things down. And I, I, I think it's a very, going to be very interesting to see how it pans out in the summer because Nelson is out of contract, as is Krizyak. It's going to be, who does Darren Way offer that contract to? I mean, I, he's definitely going to want to offer Stuart Nelson a new deal. It's whether he can get that one over the line. Will he want to offer Krizyak a new deal as well? I think, that, you know, there's going to be a lot of... Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how that one pans out and who does start next season as Yeovil's number one because there's a couple of you know good options there and it really you know it, it's going to be a big decision that Darren Way is going to have to make there. But yeah. to go back to um to Monday, I mean if you think about the key performers and I'm going to um, I'm going to throw another name out here because Zoko, um, Fisher, and Surridge they got the goals. But I I want to have I want a special mention to Lewis Wing because I thought he was absolutely brilliant. You know the way he was pressing, the way he was closing down, the way that he was winning the ball, he was you know creating chances. You know he was putting crosses into the box that, that led to the first goal. He set up another goal, and he was just really a real nuisance to the commentary in midfield there. And I think he's somebody who since he came in in January, you know he was a little bit rough around the edges as you might expect from somebody who's mainly played in non-league, having made that step up. But he's all. You, you've always seen that ability to him and I think he's really beginning to flourish now with a run of games so I always want to throw this out open to, to both of you as to what impact that you think that, that he's had since he came in um, in January well, you go first. well as I say again obviously I wasn't at the game so I wasn't able to see it but I saw his assist and it was uh, fantastically set up uh, obviously don't take anything away from the strikers because there's still a lot to do but it really helps when you have those uh, those creative players I do think that this season, the January recruitment in general has been much improved from last season. We haven't had a, a Kabongo Shamanga this season. Uh, I think you can say that every player that's come in has had some impact. Lewis Wing is an example of that. Jared Bird as well. And it's fantastic because it's plugging the gaps in the squad and it's also replacing those players who we haven't been able to get for the second half of the season, like uh, Matthew Worthington, who I thought would be a huge loss for us. So... As I say, it's fantastic to have him, in the, having him have him in the squad, and I think he's a real asset to us. Yeah, and I think I like I like the flair. I think I love him on the ball, and um, and he always looks like when he's on the ball, he looks like he could do something. I think any team needs. That. I, th- I think one of the things that I really do like about Lewis Wing as well is the fact that he's not afraid to shoot, and you know he will take shots on from 25, 30 yards, and it doesn't really phase him. And we've all seen the showreel that he, he came with from non-league, and I don't think Yeovil had a player like that probably since Ed Upson, somebody who's willing just to to have a go from thirty yards. And I don't mind if somebody you know does that three or four times a game because you're you're putting their goalkeeper under some pressure. And yeah, maybe you know eight or nine times out of ten you'll miss the target from there. But then the one time you put it in the top corner um, from 30 yards and, you know, over the course of a season, you know, a player like that could get you maybe seven or eight goals and that can make a huge difference in where you end up at the end of the, end of the year. And it, it, I think one of the key things about Yeovil, particularly, you know, on an attacking sense, is it hasn't been one player getting all the goals. It really has been a team effort amongst all of the attackers who have, who have all chipped in in pretty even numbers and got those goals. Yeah, absolutely, I agree, and uh, I think it's it's a sign of confidence as well, being able to to take those shots on. It's fantastic to see that he's not afraid to to have an effort, and as you say, one day one of those is going to go top bins. 
Yeah, as it did against um, Chesterfield um, back uh, back in January. I think that was I'd call that probably goal of the season so far from a Yeovil Town point of view. Um, so I mean, just looking at the table now, and really that win it get, leaves Yeovil in a very very comfortable position. They are now eleven points clear of the relegation zone. There's only eight games left to play, and of course, a lot of the teams around them have played more games. Yeovil have it up to three games in hand of some of the teams around them because of the amount of postponements that they've had in the last month. So. Really, I mean, would you say now that that's all settled, relegation, you know, not an issue anymore and that Yeovil can look forward to next season? Well, I don't think we should take our foot off the gas until we are 100% mathematically safe because strange things can happen in football. But I do think for all intents and purposes, we will be in the Football League next season. Um, The aim now is not to secure that safety necessarily, but to secure it as quickly as possible. Last season, it took us until the penultimate game of the season against Stevenish to do it. Darren Way is very keen to demonstrate how much his side have improved, how much stronger they've got, how much individual players have developed. And the key way to do that is to make sure that we finish as high up the table, we secure our safety as early as possible, and we beat last season's uh, points tally, which was 50. Yeah, and I think if you look at the table now, I don't think it's... I don't think Yeovil are going to be able to finish in the top half, which was a sort of a, when I spoke to Darren Way last week, he said that that was something which he was going to try and help make his players believe that they could finish in the top half. I think that's probably a little bit out of reach. But certainly if you look at the teams above them, Stevenage and Cheltenham are only just above them. And with mm. the games in hand, I think really at 15th place, I think that's something which they really can look at. I think, you know, I think Yeovil are safe. I, I think it's very unlikely to see Barnett and Grimsby who... Absolutely, all played three yeah. games more in hand and I think you know that if you do the maths Barnett will need to you know having virtually you know having won I think two or three games all year they'll need to win one and draw uh, sorry win four and draw one of their last five games to overtake Yeovil and, and then you need a Grimsby side that hasn't won in 20 matches to win three of their last five games assuming Yeovil lose all eight remaining fixtures that they have and I think it's a very very you know big stretch yeah. to imagine that happening of course yeah. it's not completely done yet and Yeovil can't just you know decide that's it we've done we're off to the beach you know we're going to mm. uh, you know our minds are there yeah. you know but I think you know from, from from what I see I think safety can really be done in the next you know two or three games if they yeah. keep this run of form up and and Mike how important do you think it is in a team in Yeovil's position that they do get that mathematical safety done as soon as possible I think it's good because it, it, at the very least it means job done at the very least they're safe to play football uh, in the football league for another year what they need to do from that really is, is use it as a launch pad you know anything other than um, survival is now, is now a bonus if Darren Way is uh, targeting mid-table top half of the table which is very I think it's very feasible really if you're trying to continue this form if they continue getting these sort of shock of victories away from home who knows where they could end up um and it's, you know, a strong end to the season could be a launch plan for an early, an early promising start to the season next season. Next season, this, I mean, so for example, this season, I don't think the overtime play started the best, it's fair to say, um, but they've they recovered out of it. I think if if the overtime and use this the end of the season as a launch pad to. Uh, have a uh, strong start next season. Who knows what can happen, really? So I think it's important that they get this all I think you're absolutely right. And I think next season, I think when you look at the, the squad and how that's shaping up for next season, there are 13 players mm. under contract. And that's a much, much better position than Yeovil have been in for many, many years. If you look at a form table, and I did this yesterday, since um, Yeovil <laughs> lost to Lincoln, and at that point they were only above relegation zone on goal difference, 
if you look at the, if you start of the season then, Yeovil would be in 12th place in the league and with the two or three games in hand that they have over most of the opposition, which shows really that they've, they've, they have improved since then. You know, they've gone from being a team that's just keeping ahead above water mm. to being a team that maybe not challenging for playoffs, but, you know, look like a solid mid-table outfit. And I think certainly since the Manchester United game in particular, they have looked much stronger and I don't think you can discount the importance of that the funds it brought in and the way in which it enabled Darren Way to to strengthen the squad in January and um, I I think looking at that and I think looking ahead I think Yeovil need to start next season with the aim that they can very much with a couple of good additions in the summer be aiming for the playoffs and I don't think that that is an unrealistic thing to be Mm. looking to achieve particularly if they keep the core of the squad that has done so well in the second half of this season together. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think uh, you look at the size of the club that we are, and particularly at the size of the club that Accrington Stanley are. You know, you look at them looking like they, they're going to go on and win the league. So it's definitely, definitely within Yeovil's reach to to be able to get into the playoffs. Not necessarily to go the full way and get promotion, but still, even to get around the top half of the table will be a fantastic, uh, positive thing for the club, and it will be. You know, a welcome relief after a, a fair few years of relegation battles. I think there was an element, if you go back a couple of years as well, after the first year in League Two, I think, you know, I, I think fans generally would have been happy with a couple of boring seasons where relegation wasn't a concern, and but just to sit in that mid-table area. But you can only do that for, you know, a limited amount of time before you start naturally wanting more. And I think you're at that point now. I don't think fans would have expected or wanted a relegation battles in the last two years. And OK, you overlook like they're fairly safe now, but I don't think fans in the whole have been that satisfied of the way that the last two years have gone. I think if Yeovil are going to really help get some of those fans who have drifted away back and get a feel-good factor back into the club, they're going to need to aim higher. And I think that, you know, I, I don't expect them to go up or win the league, but if they are in and around that, that area and at least you know, give fans some hope that they could get into the playoffs. I think that would be a much course, better yeah. return for them. Um, I'm just going to go back to how we overall want to end the season because one of the things that me and Ollie learned when we went to the press conference yesterday from Jared Bird is that Yeovil set a target or the players have a target they want to get to 54 points, which in my last eight games is equivalent to three wins. So that's something which Jared Bird is um, is aiming for and um, I spoke to him yesterday and got his views on how he feels the team was shaping up after the win against Coventry and their hopes for the rest of the season like the past three games have, we've, we've built on um, every game so I feel like we can kick on and do even better yeah is there anything particularly that changed in between the Newport and the Exeter game that sort of helped you go on this run? Because there were I mean, three really good away performances on the bounce. I mean, uh, was there anything particular you can pinpoint is helping you achieve um, that? I think it was mainly just our organisation, really, our possession. We've been keeping really good shape, uh, obviously, in the 4 4 2 formation. We've been working from the front. The strikers have been pressing really well, like in the Coventry game. We've scored a couple of goals from our pressing, really. So, yeah, that's yeah. probably the main thing. And of course, you you got um you got one of the assists. I mean, I mean your midfield partner Lewis Wing got another one as well. So I mean that which goes to show that when you do put the opposition under that sort of pressure, that um, chances are created. Yeah, the, there was a lot of chances created at the weekend. It was a well on Monday, should I say? It was a really good game. Um, I think both both sides had chances, but I thought throughout the game we looked like the the better side and deserved the win. Yeah, and of course, um, you, you obviously the Rico in it's probably it's the biggest ground in League Two. Of course, you're no stranger to playing in big stadiums because you played for Barnsley, I'm um, at, at Tottenham, at Wembley, in the League Cup. Does that sort of experience help you when you go to these bigger grounds and, and sort of 
make you more ready for those sort of games? Yeah, definitely, definitely helped me. And obviously, there's other championship grounds that are really big as well and hold a lot of capacity. So uh, yeah, that, that has helped me a lot. But um, it, it was the Rico Arena was really really nice to play out to a tropical ground and the atmosphere was actually quite good as well. So yeah. Yeah, and just for you, your your learning spell so far. How would you assess your performances? How well do you think that you've done per, on a personal level? I think I've done I think I've done well, but obviously there's always room to improve, and I think I can do better. So hopefully I can do that from now to end of the season. Yeah, and of course, just a word on Luton. Obviously, um, chasing promotion themselves, but they have had a bit of a dodgy run in recent games. So something which you can no doubt look to capitalise on and um, put them under some pressure. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, obviously, do the best that we can to put them under some pressure and hopefully get the win. I think that's the main thing. We want to win the game. Okay, so moving on now, and um, there is a bit of transfer news that we want we should be talking about, and I stress that these are just reports that are coming out at the moment. Um, it's surrounding the future of Tom James. Now, we know a couple of weeks ago there was a rumour that came out that Swansea, Bournemouth and Celtic were all allegedly monitoring him. And now, um, and now another report has emerged saying that Brentford and Aston Villa are interested in him too. So, Ollie, what are your thoughts on that, having seen James playing throughout the season? Yeah, absolutely. Well, he's, he's always impressed me as a player. Um, and he's one of those players who has developed massively during his time in Somerset. He only played, I think I'm right in saying he only played three games throughout the entirety of last season when he joined in uh, January. And now he's got 43 appearances to his name this season. And it's not just the consistency, it's the versatility that he's shown. He can play as a centre-back, he can play as a full-back, and that's no doubt what is going to be attracting him at all of these clubs. I don't think he's the finished product product just yet. Obviously, he made that uh, mistake in the, in the Man United game uh, for the first goal, which shows that he's still got a couple of errors in him. But there's no way... Um, why there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to reach the championship or maybe even go to a, a lower Premier League club within the next few years. Yeovil will definitely be be wanting to keep him. I think he said when those initial transfer rumours came out a couple of weeks ago, he said that his focus was very much just on the uh, remaining games that Yeovil have for this campaign and that he wasn't really thinking about it. So you can look at that one or two ways. On the one hand, he's committed to over until the end of the season but on the second hand he's definitely not ruling one of those moves out so mm. I think uh, Darren Way will have to do a lot of persuading to, to keep him in Somerset Yeah I think if you're Tom James I mean you can't rule that out can you I mean as a, as a player as much as Yeovil fans you want him to stay and as much as I think that he's happy at Yeovil and he's mm, enjoying yeah. himself here if a team from the Premier League or a team you know in the higher end of the Championship who you know, assuming that a team like Aston Villa w- would want him and didn't go up this year, they would certainly be one of the favourites to go up next year. It's not a move that you can turn down, is it, Mike? If, if that's oh, no. something which comes your way. Oh no, of course. I mean, uh, you know, it's a team that you know is obviously at the very least going to be a championship next season. Um, it's uh, covered a lot of history as well, and so yeah, I mean, you naturally would be very much uh, very interested in the move to say someone like Aston Villa. Um, as well as that, I mean, a lot of players. I mean. Um, I think in recent years you've seen players climb through the divisions well, uh, as opposed to just sort of making it at a, a top-level academy and just sort of going up from there. Tom James, for example, is someone who I think would be someone who would see himself progress through the leagues. Um, if he was to make that jump into the championship, it, be a bit, it might be you know take a bit of learning from him um, to improve his skills, but I think he would be someone in the future who could be not only a championship defender, but also maybe even Premier League defender. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll say that also with specifically Brentford, I actually watched them play a few weeks ago. I went to Griffin Park and I can say that Tom James is 
far more composed on the ball than probably 50% of the players who, who played for them that day. So it's not like he'd look too out of place, especially maybe in a, a couple of years. I think Tom James is one of those players, and it always sounds a bit strange when you hear people say this, but I think there is a lot to it. But he's actually a sort of player that would actually play better if he was at a higher level than in League Two. I mean, if you look at the way he's played, if you've seen him play, he's, he's so technically gifted. He's so composed mm. on the ball. And I think if he was playing in a championship team who's, you know, who perhaps played in a slightly different way to Yeovil, who, you know, very much had their, their philosophy, was very much on keeping the ball, on playing it along the ground, on, you know sort of slow build-up play, possession-based football, I think he'd thrive in that kind of environment. And um, I think I think he's maybe not quite ready for the championship yet, but I think give it you know two or three years, I can see him being in a team week in, week out at championship level. And he does have the attributes that he could... He, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that he could work his way up into the Premier League in the future. I do really like the way he plays. You know, I was a big fan of him when I saw him last season and I'm really, really pleased that he has come on the way that he has this year because I thought he's, he is a player that you can, and you can see why Yeovil offered him a new deal where perhaps, you know, a lot of people may have been expecting him to be yeah, released. But, yeah. you know, he, he does have all the attributes needed. He just needed a run of games, I think, to show how good he was. Fantastic bit of business there to keep him under contract as well. Yeah, and to get him on an approved deal. I don't think it was an extended deal, it was more improved terms, but that should hopefully, you know, strengthen Yeovil's hands if teams do come in for him in the summer. But I think, you know, the good news from Yeovil's point of view, that if, if offers were to come in from a higher end of the championship, you're looking at potentially, you know, half a million pounds, I'd say, you know, mm-hmm. even, you know, upwards of that. If you if you desperately want to keep him, then you're you should be saying to these clubs, right, this is our price, pay it or forget about it. Yeah. And I think Yeovil, you know, with the extra funds that they've come in, they wouldn't say no to an offer of that. But with the funds that have come in from the cup runs, they are in a better position to be able to, you know, dictate how much money they can get for some of their players than they would have been perhaps three or four months ago. And I think they need to take advantage of that. If if Tom James is to go to the championship, they've got the opportunity to get a good transfer fee up front. They if they have anything about them, they will put in a sell-on clause in that contract. That means if he is sold on to another team um, mm. in future, that Yeovil will get a cut of that as well, and really, you know, use that to benefit the rest of the squad. Because I think that you know Yeovil's future, the, the blocks are being put in place to help Yeovil progress in the next two or three years. But if they lose some of the key players that form part of that long-term future, they need to make sure that they're going to replace them well enough to make sure that it doesn't derail the whole of the plans that they've got because the worst thing they can do is find themselves pickpocketed by other teams and then leave themselves in exactly the same position that they are now. Mm. No, I, agree. I completely agree and um, I think it's, it's important that, you know, if, as selfish as it is, is really and um, I mean, when it comes to uh, when you've got, uh, when you're a lower ranked team with not much money and you get a player of such good quality who you know naturally will probably leave, you've got to milk as much as you can really because you think of how much that money would would benefit the club. You know, if you think about um, that could potentially get into players that can get in, possibly um, get some loan moves sorted. It could even prove the facilities at the club or pay off any debts. I think so, that's a good point of facilities yeah. because there's been a lot of talk, particularly in light of the recent weather and the pitch yeah. this year, that the drainage at Hewish Park is not really up to standard. Oh, you know, that Forest Green game, 
you know, and I understand the amount of football that's been played on it, but that Forest Green game should not have been called off given the weather we'd had in the two or three days before it. It'd been, you know, it'd been quite wet, but it, you know, there'd been plenty of dry weather around. Yeah, I was very shocked that, I was very shocked know, that that got called off in all fairness. So. Yeah, and that's the sort of thing, you know, that teams at, at League Two level should not be getting games called off because it's rained maybe for 24 hours before a game, you know. It should be, you know, unless there's been an absolute torrential deluge but it's left everything flooded. But it's left, like, even just left the facilities around the ground flooded. You should not be getting games called off in that manner. So I think drainage is something which could be looked at. You know, and it's just everything around the club, you know. Money, you know, helps you improve and then hopefully with those improvements come success on the pitch. Mm. Now I'm going to move on because we've got a big game to talk about that's coming up tomorrow and not an opportunity for revenge because that's what Darren Way has said it isn't. But... Surely, when you're playing a Luton team that on the opening day turned you over in what can only be described as an 8-2 humiliation, you're going to want to settle that score and you know, prove a point, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. And uh, you know, perhaps not revenge, perhaps a more positive way of saying it is that it's a chance to show how far we've come. Uh, we talked earlier in the podcast about how much we have improved, not just since the opening day of the season, but in the past few games. And now is a chance for us to, to put it into, into practice. I don't think you can also underestimate the fact that on that opening day of the season, we uh, played a pre-season friendly against Bournemouth a few days beforehand, which massively tired us out. We've had a couple of weeks off, so theoretically we should be a little bit sharper than we were for that opening day game. I think in terms of how Luton is shaping up, uh, they haven't been in particularly good form recently, but they'll be really relishing the chance to take us on given their previous record against us. And of course they have Danny Hilton who's uh, sitting on 19 goals at the minute, was named in the League 2 Team of the Year earlier in the week and he has two goals in his last three games. A constant thorn in the side of any team that he plays. So I think it will be a really, really interesting game and to be honest I don't really know which way it's going to go. No, and I, I don't think there's really much to fear about Luton. I know they're, they're very, very strong going forward. And you've mentioned the likes of Danny Hilton, you've got James Collins, you've got Harry Cornick, who Yeovil fans yeah, know yeah. very well. Um, you've got you know great, great attacking players in that team. But I think Luton, of, of the teams that are up there challenging for promotion, I think they are the most susceptible team, probably defensively. And Yeovil have the players that can can really go and take the game to them. So I would predict a very exciting game, you know, and possibly, you know, if, you know, you know, quite a few goals in that. Having said that, one minute here and here next week talking about a drab nil-nil draw, you can tell me I'm talking <laughs> rubbish. But I think, you know, I think all the ingredients are there for a very exciting game. Um, I, I think you are right to talk about the Luton's recent record over Yeovil because it wasn't just that 8-2. If you go back before that, the previous two games between the two sides, Luton won 4-0 at Hewish Park mm-hmm. in the league last March and a few weeks before that, they'd Beaten, um, beaten them 5-2 in the Czechic Trade Trophy. So I think the last three games is an aggregate score of 17 goals to four in Luton's favour. So it does look like a probably quite a daunting prospect on paper. But I, I think Yeovil are not going to want to be embarrassed again. They've come off their best result in probably the last, you know, three or four years there. So the confidence, you know, should be through the roof. And I think, you know, I, I don't think they should really be factoring what happened in August into their mind at all I think they should just go into the game you know approach it like they would any other game you know see that Luton are a team that can be got at that you can create chances against and I think it's one of those yeah Luton you know they are strong and if they perform to their ability they probably will win the game but Yeovil 
equally are just as capable of going and beating them. And we've seen the teams at the top of the table. It wasn't just Coventry. I mean, they've beaten Accrington at Hewish Park. They've beaten mm-hmm. Exeter at Hewish Park this season. So they can beat yeah. the big teams at home. And, and I think another point that Darren Way made in his uh, pre-match presser yesterday was that there have been quite a few personnel changes and the team that will start tomorrow is very different to the team that started on the opening day of the season. So for those players like Jared Bird and Lewis Wing who weren't at the club, their reaction when you mentioned the 8-2 will be, well, what 8-2? This is just another big team. We beat Coventry a few days ago and they had the best defensive record in the in the league. So there's no reason we can't do the same tomorrow. Yeah, Mike, Mike just looking ahead to, to that game from what you've seen in recent weeks and looking at Luton and their yeah. recent form, what do, you, what do you think are the key things that Yeovil need to do to make sure they get a result? I think it's, at the very least, uh, you know, solid back line and a back line that defends and is able to uh, be reliable. And again, Stuart Nelson to be on top form. I think since he's come in, I've been a very massive fan of him uh, and how he's organised defence. He's been crucial in his saves. Um, and they, that back five will be crucial um, on the weekend. Into the midfield, I think the likes of uh, Bird Wing need to be very much um, very creative. When they get the ball, they need to be very. They need to be uh, thinking. Get to the strikers who are in fantastic form at the moment. But I think it's really going to be a case of just whole, um, you know, containing when they can see a chance. If they can see a space, play that killer ball, and then basically just. Attack on the break, really. Who knows? The Overtop could get a goal, they could get a result here. They just need to be very um, strong in the next uh, 90 minutes. Yeah, and um, just to go back to personnel changes, I mean, if you look at the team that, um, that started against Luton on the opening day, which I've got up there, only two of the 11 players who started at Coventry on Monday, and it's very difficult to see why Darren Way would make any changes to that team unless there were, you know, injuries or anything like that. I mean, I'd be amazed if he made any changes, you know or chose to make any changes for tomorrow. I mean, the only two players who were on the pitch from the start at Luton were um, Ryan Dixon and Francois Wiseoko. So really, I mean, um, Omar Swimney and Sam Surridge also came on late on in the game. But I think, you know, it is going to be a different team. And I think it's. I don't think there's really going to be too many demons on that pitch or too many mindset back to there. And of course, once the first whistle goes, as a professional, you shouldn't really be focusing on who the opposition are. You should be focusing on yourselves and trying to get the best result that you can. Um, So to finish up, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a good game, I hope. Hopefully a few goals. Prediction time. Ollie, what are you going to go for? Um, I might be getting carried away and uh, by the by Monday and predicting too many goals, but I'm going to go with a three-two win to Yeovil. Okay, Mike. I'm very um, skeptical, really. I think that given Luton of Scots already won into goals this season, it might be a goals best. Really, I'm thinking it might be a case of maybe two-one Luton. Unfortunately, as much as I would like, uh, Mike, there's a door about six inches to your right. I suggest that you just keep walking, mate. My uh, my prediction is based on the idea that Danny Hilton's going to go off injured after three minutes. By the okay, way, just, uh, enough, just yeah. as a disclaimer, we're having already scored a first two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, okay, I'm going to I'm going to go. I think it's going to be an exciting game. I think you know if Luton do perform, I, I think it's difficult to see Yeovil getting all three points, but I think they can get a result. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to be a little bit on the fence, but I'm going to go two all. You know, plenty of goals, plenty of excitement, and you know, if you ever get a point tomorrow, one step closer to mathematically securing that safety, and it would be considered a good afternoon at the office. So, I think that's really all we've got time for this week. So, thank you very much for um, for joining us. Of course, 
any coverage from tomorrow's game you can find on www.somersetlive.co.uk forward slash sport we're going to be at the game we'll be providing you live updates all the reaction from the game so make sure you check that out for all the latest and of course if you enjoyed what you've listened to here this afternoon um, and you want to find out more then you can always subscribe to the Glover's Talk podcast using iTunes and Audio Boom. so all that leads me to say is thank you to Ollie and thank you to Mike and we will see you again soon take care thank Tele2, de Huawei P20. Omdat het kan. Voor een genadeloos lage prijs. Check tele2.nl voor de beste deal voor jou. Ik omdat het mooi, maar